Hello and um, welcome back to the Haleyer podcast. I had a really interesting conversation today and I thought, well, I really want to share with you this thought and these learnings that I've had through different experiences. And this is related to perspective. Because this has such a great impact in the way we see the world, in the way we understand the world, in the way we connect or disconnect with others, um, and also how impacts or what impacts us, what makes us sad, happy, or angry, and yeah, so let me tell you some some adventures that I've had in terms of perspective and some learnings that I've had and I really hope that this brings you a new perspective and that you try try it out yourself and then that you share uh, how is it going. So I, I believe that we have a very narrow perspective. We see the world only through our own two eyes and these eyes, let's say, or the, the way we take in things are being shaped by how, what we have experienced in life, how we have been educated or brought up. So we really see the world through, let's say, um, experiences taken from others. So how your parents raised you, the experiences of your parents, how they see life, how they t- uh, interpret different things, like how they interpret friendship or how they interpret relationships or um, business or money or job or politics. So if you, if you grow up with these opinions and this way of thinking, that shapes the way you see the world. The same goes for your friends. So how your friends think and what your friends have experienced and lived that definitely shapes the way you you see the world and what you interpret from the world and so I think that it's just very important to be aware of it and to try to expand that perspective but of course I didn't know this until I have actually and let's call it an epiphany (laughs) that was it was a very simple situation but I would definitely point out at this as one of the experiences that shaped uh, my life uh, afterwards and how I see the world today. So remember I told you in the in the introduction introduction of the host about me being uh, one year in the United States where I had a scholarship. This scholarship was amazing. I will tell you more about um, this in detail and different Uh, experiences and learnings and uh, stories related to this for for this episode and for the perspective discussion there was one thing that happened so this scholarship was uh, as I said amazing and you could choose the different subjects that you wanted to see university so it was a scholarship that allowed you for flexibility for you to pick the subjects that you were interested on at that time, when I applied for the scholarship, I really wanted to study a lot in regards to economics because it was after the business, the the well, the business crisis, or the in general, the economy was in crisis in the United States in two thousand seven, eight, and nine, and this was two thousand twelve. So I was really curious to see 
how the world looked like from the US that had started the crisis and so on. But then the university I went to was a folk, has a, had a focus in business, but mildly, mildly in business and very much focused into arts. So theater, music, uh, and uh, all of the you know, um, artistic arts, I don't know how you call it, were really, really strong in this university. And one of the subjects that I picked was drawing. Now you need to picture this. So I am an economist. The most I had drawn was a few lines to express uh, supply and demand. <laughs> so my drawing skills were really, really close to zero. I mean, they were actually zero. I do remember my first drawing in this drawing class where everybody there were art students, super skilled. And the art teacher always, he was like very a grumpy guy and super serious. And he would look at me like, what are you doing here? <laughs> Literally, you have definitely no future in the arts. Um, I remember my first drawing, we were supposed to draw what we were looking at. And this was called a still life. And if you don't know what this is, this is basically that they put a lot of things together and that are dead or like that are things um, together and then you paint that. So uh, you, you would put, or the teacher would put, the professor, sorry, would put everything. He would uh, find like uh, a sculpt or um, uh, um, some uh, plastic flowers or, or dead flowers or a vase, a cup, uh, a little statue. Everything had different sizes, different colors, different textures. Uh, even like some um, fabrics as well. And so I remember first drawing, I could not even identify what it was that I had drew because I had definitely no, no knowledge on how do you do depth, like how deep it was or, oh, I mean, a disaster. But so this was my <laughs> start in the drawing class and I found it actually to be the most difficult uh, subject that I had picked. I had other things like international business, um, business management, leadership, then economics, of course, um, psychology and other topics. Also photography I took, but then drawing was by far the most difficult for me. But then the days went by and I did one homework after the other and the professor, even though he was super tough, he was excellent really excellent. He was very direct. He would give you feedback immediately and, and treat everybody equally, but very, very rough somehow. Um, but then that also made the, the class very focused. And we would always draw together a still life, everybody on their own paper. Um, and we would sit in a circle. So the still life would be a very big pyramid in the center of the room. And we would sit in different seats around of this still life. And everybody would choose what to draw. I mean, we were looking at the same thing. And at the end, we would put our drawings on the wall and we would give each other feedback. Not to each other, but to the drawing. So say, okay, this drawing, this is very clear here. This is very nice here. Look at the texture, look at the um, uh, light and so on. So we would learn from each other. 
highlight what was good and what was not good so that we would learn and uh, apply it for the next time. So that was really, really cool. But what I found absolutely fascinating and what was what changed my life, as I told you at the beginning, was that the, the perspective part, that was when I realized what it means to have a different perspective. Now, we were looking at the same thing. It was the same still life for everybody. We were at the same time drawing the same thing. And at the end, when we would look at the different drawings, you would not have been, it would not have been possible to guess that we were looking at the same thing. Because everything looked just so different. Not only because everybody had a different style, but also because everybody was looking from a different perspective to the same thing. That was amazing. Even sometimes when we were sitting one behind the other one and we were looking exactly at the same thing, we would focus on different things. So even then, the drawings will come up completely different. And I'm sharing this with you because I believe that that helps to understand why communication and why our life with each other is so complex. Because you might be looking at the same thing, but because you are shaped by different experiences, by different ideas, by different opinions, um, by different... Mm, yeah, you put the focus on different things, you will be seeing something completely different, completely different. So it's the way you judge what you're looking at, if you will. And now that I, I'm, I've been working, or I've been working, yes, with a, a lot of uh, communication and, and change management and also how to work differently and, and so on, I find it just amazing to see how difficult it is to actually that everybody is understanding the same thing. Let me tell you two other stories. So the, the one is also related to the scholarship in the US because it was also the first time I understood that even if everybody was speaking the same language, everybody was understanding something different and saying something different. So we were um, 55 students from 20 different countries and we were all speaking English. Also with the ones that were giving us a scholarship, we were in different universities, so everybody was speaking English. But since everyone came from a completely different culture and a background uh, language and, and different ages as well, sometimes we would say the same phrase and it would mean something completely different. And I found it incredibly challenging, super funny, because sometimes we were just standing in front of each other. So I was with a friend and uh, she was from New Zealand. And I remember just standing in front of her. She trying to explain me something. I understood every word, but I didn't get it. Like I didn't understand what she meant. And when I tried to explain her what I was understanding, she was also like completely lost. And that ended up building a really good relationship. But it was just so funny. Sometimes because of the different accents, me coming from South America, speaking English, and she coming from New Zealand and speaking English, that sometimes we would like text to each other, even though we were like next to each other, but we would, we would text on the phone to kind of say, this is what I'm saying. <laughs> and that was just very, very funny. But even after we understood each other, um, the language per se, still the perspective was completely different. And that was really really cool to realize because sometimes I see that people get very 
mm, how do you say, uh, not desperate, but impatient when they're explaining something and they realize that even though everybody thinks they understood, they didn't understand what this, what you meant. And um, yeah, so that just to bear in mind, give yourself permission to explain what you're trying to say in different ways so that different perspectives can grasp it or can at least get closer to what you mean. And uh, finally, this, uh, this other story that I wanted to share with you was when I was uh, studying during my master's in Sweden, that I realized the importance of culture. I mean, I already had experienced different cultures and I loved it. It always brought me out of my comfort zone. But none of these cultures brought me more out of my comfort zone as in Sweden. And I loved it because it was mind-blowing. It was like, okay, so all my life I thought this was right and this was wrong. And then I came to Sweden and I had to completely change the way I understood the world. And so I could choose. I was like, ah, okay, so this could actually also be right. Okay, how do I feel with it? And what is it that I want to live with? Um, so give me, let me give you an example in, in this regard. So amazing. One, I, I lived with a Swedish family that were, I mean, also absolutely life-changing, absolutely loving and caring and unbelievable. Let me tell you a little bit about it before we go into the story. And it's that when I applied for the master's, we were still working hard to recover the company of my parents, the bakery that had burned. So we were working non-stop, non-stop. I mean, non-stop was, I've never worked so hard in my life. And, um, and then I, I applied for the master's. I got the place. I was thrilled, but I had no time and no head to organize. Where am I going to live in the first place? How am I going to finance this in the first place? Um, so I was desperate to looking at, okay, I need to somehow arrive in Sweden. I did not speak the language. I barely knew where it was located. I knew Sweden existed also because I had had some friends in the same scholarship in the United States that were from Sweden. So that was the first time I kind of put Sweden on the map. And then I read that they have won being the most sustainable country. I think it was 2014 or so. Um, yeah. And so I was going to Sweden. I had no place to stay. I had barely money. I mean, I was on my savings. And then I said, oh my, oh my God, who could help? And then I searched online, uh, actually through the same uh, uh, club or, or um, community that have given me the scholarship in the United States. Because I thought, well, if these are good people usually and they are willing to help. Maybe I can find an answer there. So contacting them and really online, one of the, after going through a very long list of phones and everybody like, yeah, send me your CV and we see what we can do. And I was asking them, hello, um, I, I was a student in, uh, in Rotary um, in the United States some years ago and I'll be uh, studying in Sweden. Is somebody interested in hosting an international student for three weeks? <laughs> and so they would tell me, yeah, send me your CV and... Um, and we will we will talk to or yeah email you back or something, 
And so I called seven different uh, Rotary presidents, Rotary clubs and presidents because they were listed in the website. And then I, I was like, oh, okay, nobody's telling me anything. And I, I said, okay, I'll just finalize with the last one. So I called and this guy answered the phone. Hello, like super dry. I was like, yes, hello, I, this is Tamara. I will be studying in Sweden. I'm from Colombia. Maybe someone in the Rotary Club would be interested in hosting an international student. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so he said, well, send me your CV and we will reach out if something. And so I did. And I was like, yeah, okay, let's see what happens. And actually, the next day I had an email from this guy telling me this. He said, Tamara, we're delighted um, to host you in our family. Um, my daughter has also been, uh, had won a scholarship with Rotary International some years ago. Um, and my, my wife is from Uruguay and we would be delighted to host you. I could not believe it. My first thought was, who are these people? They must be crazy. I mean, they don't know me. I'm calling from Colombia on a phone. They are not even seeing me. And they're offering me their home. I was, I was blown away. I was like, okay, who are these people? <laughs> they must be very crazy or amazing. And they, they ended up being absolutely amazing, of course. Afterwards, we talked like on Skype and we met each other. And they even picked me up at the airport with a Colombian flag and took me home. And that was immediately a connection. I mean, they, they are my Swedish family. I really love them completely. So, but what I wanted to tell you in terms of perspective is that one day we were eating together as in a family dinner because they literally involved me in everything. I was kind of adopted in the family and I loved it. So they, they have two wonderful daughters and um, she's from Europe, like two daughters and then the man and the the, the wife and the man, the husband. Uh, she's from Uruguay, he is from Sweden and um, they were, I don't know, we were having like a family dinner and they invited some friends over and uh, some family and so on and everybody was talking and everything and it was a combination between speaking Swedish and speaking English <laughs> because of me. I mean, they were so kind to kind of try to speak English. Even the great-grandmother was there and she spoke very little English but we kind of, with, you know, with signs and with the hands, we tried to communicate. And um, so I, we were talking, it was nice and then I said something and suddenly, everybody just went quiet. Dead quiet. And I was thinking, okay, did I say something wrong? <laughs> because, and for you to have an idea, coming from, a, from, from Latin America, I mean, when you are in a dinner table with your family, it is loud. It is very, very loud and very living. Everybody's talking and so on. And if the whole table is silent in one specific moment, it's because something terrible happened. Something really, really serious and terrible happened. I know somebody insulted someone or somebody died. I don't know. So I was sitting in this Swedish family. Everybody was quiet and I was thinking I said something very bad. So I, I leant over uh, my host's mother and I asked her, did I say something wrong? And she was like, no, why? I was like, why is everybody quiet? And then she told me, well, everybody is feeling comfortable and cozy. There's no need to talk all the time. 
I was just sitting there with my eyes opened, like wide open and thinking, what? What? Okay, so everybody's comfortable. That's why they're not talking. Amazing. And I realized, well, okay, why not? Right. And that also, actually, after that, I learned a lot of having quiet time or personal time. I actually call it tummy time. So even with my friends and with my partner, I tell him sometimes, okay, I need some tummy time. And I'm like, alone and just for myself and I know that that is completely fine and I actually love it but I'll tell you more about it with my experiences in in Sweden but that that dinner um, showed me that maybe something I understood before as something being wrong like everybody being quiet maybe it's not wrong like everybody's enjoying and that changed my perspective so these these are some (laughs) what I wanted to share with you today and I hope that somehow that encourages you to test and yeah, put in a test what you think is right or wrong up to now and try to experience things that are completely out of your comfort zone. Like I know in my case was drawing or um, living in a completely different culture in a family like in Sweden. Um, yeah. So, all right, that is all for for this uh, session for today. Do send me your comments and on social media or also at um, hello at heylido.com. I love to hear what you want to hear about, what is your uh, feedback, what are your comments, your experiences, and also if you know of something you would like to be hosted in this podcast, do let me know.